Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Law Nation. Today is a good day. It's a great day to get outside, move your body, feel the sunshine, and just breathe it all in. Before we get started, I want to invite you to go to escapethebillable.com and snag our free passive investing guide. It's absolutely free and has some incredible insider content that I know you'll find useful. Have you ever felt unhappy or unfulfilled at your day job? I think we all have from time to time, right? Sure, but sometimes that feeling never goes away. Sometimes we come to realize that the uneasy feeling that we are meant for something more than 9 to 5 till 65 is more than just a hunch. Perhaps it's your true self calling, telling you that you need to get out there and see the world, to do something different, to try something new. You need to live your life now before it's too late. Today we take a deep dive into our guest story which I believe many of us can relate to. Darren Frank is a Georgetown law grad and former big law firm attorney, and in fact, a really good friend of mine and former colleague. Darren is the president and founder of Anima Strategy, a company focused on helping entrepreneurs and business leaders develop effective leadership strategies and optimize operational efficiency. He takes a holistic approach to problem solving and is sometimes characterized as the business therapist, and you'll see why. All right, here we go. This is the Passive Income Attorney Podcast, where you'll discover the secrets and strategies of the ultra-wealthy on how they build streams of passive income to give them the freedom we all want. Attorney Seth Bradley will help you end the cycle of trading your time for money so you can make money while you sleep. Start living the good life on your own terms. Now, here's your host, Seth Bradley. Darren Frank, what's going on, brother? Welcome to the show. Seth Bradley, thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah, and we go back a long time. and We worked at a big law together, um, and we're we're good friends, so it's pretty awesome to have you on the show. Yeah, I feel like I've seen the full evolution, you know, from the the Winstead offices to uh, Southern California, and and I've been kind of keeping track of what you've been doing. It's been awesome, and listening to the podcast, it's great, and um, I'm just really happy to be here, flattered you asked me to be on, so... You know, what can I do to, to give some value here? For sure, man. So let's just start out with what's your story. Tell us about yourself. <laughs> so my story, I, uh, I grew up in Maryland and um, went to school there, went to law school in D.C., graduated in 2010. So kind of um, right after the, the recession of eight, obviously, and, and legal jobs were scarce. I actually went to law school never thinking that I would be an attorney. I, I never had that plan. I think prior to the crash, it was... Uh, uh, it's still a broadly usable degree, but I, even before that, it was more broad. And so you could wind up in finance and these other jobs. And when I was a little kid and you asked me what I wanted to do when I grew up, I used to say stockbroker. So I always thought that I would be involved in that. I don't know what that says about my childhood, but I always, I always wanted to be involved in that um, and, and thought that law school would be my direction there. And then when I got out, ended up at a law firm. Um, you know, worked till four o'clock in the morning, three times my first week and realized pretty quickly that that just sort of wasn't what I wanted. I looked around at all the partners and thought, look, the people that even succeed really well in this, they don't have something that I want. Their lives are not something that I want. I thought that a lot of them made a couple million a year, had really good money, but I thought that it was sort of a pyrrhic victory because they often had bad relationships with their families or they were, you know, unhealthy in certain ways that I valued. And so, no judgment about that. Um, we both know some real successful lawyers, but 
just not what I wanted for myself. So um, at various times, you know, left uh, the law and, and tried to start different businesses. Some of those things went well and some didn't and learned a lot along the way. So I ran a uh, fashion boutique and spa in Charleston for a year. I moved to Japan for a year and, and ran a Japanese company there and um, I've done a lot of different stuff. So now I am kind of half in, half out uh, I'm on my own as a solo, but uh, uh, do a lot of like leadership coaching and strategic consulting. And that's the main focus of my, my practice and what I'm building. So Awesome. Awesome. We'll dive into a lot of that, but you know, you mentioned, you know, seeing those partners that are a lot older and they're still in the office and they're in there longer than we are as associates. And you're like, what is going on? Like, you know, why are you guys still here? Yeah, They're making a ton of money. You know, they're making a million or $2 million a year or whatever it is. But it's like, at what point have you made enough and you can walk away satisfied and live, you know, the years that you have left in a, in a, in a healthy way and spend it with the people that you love. And a lot of people never get that opportunity because they just stay too long. And I think that that's true. And I, I, you know, we were talking about Eureka moments and I've heard you talk about kind of when your mindset shifts away from money being a really valuable thing to time being a really valuable thing. And then sort of, you know, the, the railing against the billable hours and models, something yeah. that I think we all go through at one point or another. But I, <laughs> I remember I was at the office at four o'clock in the morning on my birthday and had a, <laughs> <laughs> and had, uh, you know, I, I had some, I had some other associates and a partner who want to take me out for a drink. And then the partner I was working on a deal for just laughed at me at seven o'clock at night. And was like, you're not going anywhere. And um, so at four o'clock <laughs> in the morning, I went on Amazon and I bought Tim Ferriss's The 4-Hour Workweek. And uh, not as much for practical purposes for me, but in terms of philosophy and how I started to view that, is that opened my eyes to this other path. And I think what I figured out for myself is that my drive for autonomy is much higher than my drive for, you know, status or material achievement. And so I like sort of reprioritize that and learned a different story. But I think, you know, you grow up in a certain kind of household, you grow up in a certain kind of environment, get an education, go get a job, get a high paying job. You're following this path and you come to a certain point where you realize that may not be the path for you. And, um, you know, no judgment, I think, on people that stay on the path in a certain way if it works. It's just for a lot of people, uh, from my perspective, it doesn't work. And it's, it's hard for them to sort of figure it out. Like you talk about golden handcuffs, really common, you know, you load up on all these nice things and then you're sort of trapped, right? And that's the yeah. worst thing. We all hate to be trapped. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's like, we're still looking for freedom. We're just doing it a different way, I think, than they are. So it's like rewriting your own story, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, there's a balance to it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with going down that, partner track. I mean, that's what a lot of people want to do and they stick with it and they actually enjoy it. I mean, we worked with a lot of people that enjoyed what they were doing, even though they were putting in these crazy hours, you could tell like, you know, they might be joking with us, like they don't like it, but you can, you know, they like it, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think it's interesting to ask yourself, you know, like what you get out of it, because I think even what they would relate to us and what they liked about it or whatever, it's something different, right? And it's not usually what it appears on the surface. And I think to dig into that a little bit and realize like why people are there and what they're doing, you know, it made me a lot more forgiving. I used to think like, how could anybody do this? Or how would anybody stay on the billable hour? Um, and then, you know, you realize people do it for all kinds of different reasons and there's no right or wrong answer. I mean, I think a lot of people shouldn't be entrepreneurs, right? Like a lot of people should um, improve their circumstances, but if, if you like having a nine to five, and I know a lot of people that do, like keep your job, you know, this, it's a hard path to be an entrepreneur. It's not like, 
is the path of greater reward in many cases, but there aren't a lot of shortcuts. And even in like the passive investment realm, you need some sort of skills or um, you know something to make that work well for you. And so uh, I just think that's important for, for people to think about all the time. I remember when I was living in Japan, I would get these messages, so those pictures on Instagram and you know, Japan's really beautiful. Yeah. And people would say, oh, I really wanna quit my job and, and be a digital nomad and move all across the world. And can you tell me how you did it? And I'm like, look, what I can tell you is don't do this. Like it's a disaster. <laughs> you know, like I get that it looks pretty, right? But it's really lonely, it's hard. Like you're totally untethered. You've got no home base, you're away from all your family. And I'm not even somebody who's particularly close with my family, but I mean, it, it was like hard in ways that people gloss over, right? Cause they just look at the positive things and something I'm always trying to get, you know, people and clients to focus on is like, what's the price you're paying, right? So if you're in a billable hour job, the price you're paying is you're billing in six minute increments, you're evaluated on a billable hour, that's your thing. You know, if you are untethered and you work for yourself, you pay a price of stability, you pay a price of uncertainty, and it's just, there are different prices. And, and normally I think people try and get us, especially advertisers and the way that we're spoken to now to try and make our decisions based on potential upsides, and people just really need to be conscious of price, right? And, and you know, monetarily, emotionally, all those different things. Um, and and that that's a really important component of it that gets kind of yeah, cool. Yeah, I love all that, man. And, you know, for those folks that, you know, do, they're okay with their job, they're okay with moving forward or they like it or love it, you know, I think it's still about finding some balance, you know? I mean, even sure. if that's the pathway you want to take, I still believe you need to find and build these other passive income streams so that even if you do want to continue your practice, you at least have the ability to scale back if you want to, or to take a vacation or to do something different um, mm. and spend time outside of the office a little bit. You just need to kind of have that fallback and that confidence to be able to walk away, at least for a short amount of time. No, I totally agree with you. I mean, but I, I think it is tempting for me to agree with you because, you know, my drive for autonomy, like I value that sure. so much. Right. And so I, I, I agree. I do think it's important that people like investigate some of this stuff. Like I, I don't sort of the examined life, right? Where, why is it so appealing for you? And not whether it's right or wrong, but like what appeals to you about having mailbox money? Because you and I both know this too. I'm sure we both know a lot of people with a lot of money. I know very few people with a lot of money who were happy right. because they, they make the money, they're worth 20, 30, 50 million. And then it has created this whole void in their life and they, they didn't have things that they were working toward. They, they weren't living a principled life or sort of a purpose-driven life at all. And it kind of goes off the rails, right? Because freedom isn't always free. Sounds really trite, but it's true, <laughs> right? Like you need to have a reason for this. And so, you know, I don't like, I don't think, I think passive income is great if like you have that sort of sorted out and the people that are like, yes, I want to do this. So I can, you know, you've had people on the podcast um, who, you know, are talking about wanting to give back more and that that would be a purposeful thing for them to do and all these things. But I think people that are just, oh, that sounds good and don't really examine it. It's like, you're talking the same thing about examining the actual opportunities. Like you've got to even examine your reasoning for what you want and why you want it, I think, where it's kind of easy to get tripped up. Right. Yeah, for sure. Is that but, something you walk your, your current clients through something? Yeah, like I think, you know, it's, it's, we're tempted now. And, and this is true, whether you're talking about politics or money or anything else that this subset of things is good. And this subset of things is bad. And then there's really not anything in the middle. Right. Um, and, and <laughs> my thinking about most things is pretty antithetical to that because 
I think basically everything is in the middle and that neither thing is really good or bad or right or wrong for you. Um, and like take something like constraints, right? Like money is common, income is commonly seen as a constraint. There are such things as positive constraints. It's not that, oh, I have some constraints and therefore all constraints are bad, right? Like you're married, right? So that is a constraint, but that's a good constraint. Okay, that brings positive to your life. It restricts you in other ways. So you're paying some cost there, but you know, you have agreed to pay that cost and you're saying on balance, that makes sense for who I am, who I want to be. Um, and so I think, you know, in what ways can you then minimize negative constraints, but actually maximize positive constraints. And I just think to nuance the thinking a little bit, I think is important, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I know that we touched on, or you touched on your, your trip to Japan and that's a really interesting uh, time in your <laughs> life. I'd love for you to kind of go into that a little bit of what was the purpose you know, what happened while you're there and, and how did it turn out and why did you come back? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, that's interesting. I mean, the, the story behind how I got there, I grew up my whole life around pool. So, um, you know, like pocket billiards and uh, always played and it's, it's not an exclusive sport, like something like golf is. So you can, you can't go to the masters and just go walk up to Tiger Woods. Right. But if you did that at a pool tournament, you could meet the equivalent. You could just go meet a world champion because they're just standing there and probably most people don't know who they are. <laughs> so over the years of going to pool tournaments with my father, um, a lot of my friends play professionally. And so one of them was playing in the All Japan and he said, come over with me. And um, I was finishing up at Winstead at that point, like the time that you and I worked together. And so that was late 2016. And uh, I went over with him. It was supposed to be for three weeks and got to know the head of one of his sponsors. And the guy was taking us out for sushi every night and putting us up at his house and like being very Japanese about the whole experience, which was lovely. Um, and at the end of it, we had gone into the company a couple of days and I handed him just sort of a write-up and said, hey, look, I really appreciate you putting me up. Here's some things to think about in terms of marketing or strategy or kind of the way you're orchestrating your enterprise. And he looked at it and he said, do you just want to stay and do it? And I said, sure. So I just stayed on. I ended up being there a little over eight months. I was in Hiroshima, Japan. I didn't speak a word of Japanese when I got there um, <laughs> and just sort of jumped in with two feet. You know, it's funny when you talk about balance. I, I think that that is true for a lot of people. It is just my personality is so binary that I'm always like a thousand percent into something or a thousand percent out of something. And I think yeah. my, my life has had such a course because I, <laughs> and I think this is something to talk about too, some of the pitfalls of doing this, like, it sounds, that's a good story, right? But I mean, it was a um, very rewarding experience. And what I learned a lot from, it was a difficult experience. I think like going over there untethered that, you know, without um, sort of properly planning or properly having a foundation for that. And I think one of the great things about diversifying income streams is to build a foundation for something, right? So even if you don't know a thousand percent what you want to do, if you've got, you know, six months or a year of expenses in the bank, it makes it a lot easier to do that, right? So, you know, my personality was always, oh, this is interesting. I'm going to go chase a shiny object and not really pay so much attention to having like a proper foundation for that, um, which I, I think sort of sabotages the experience in a certain way, right? And um, it's something I see a lot of people doing like, oh, I have a really good idea for a business. Let me quit my job and just go after it <laughs> full steam. And you're like, maybe you could find a way to test it minimally first yeah. and then decide if you want to jump ship when it's appropriate for you and, and your situation. But uh, those are certainly mistakes that I, that I made before. So it was, uh, it was interesting. Ultimately, I came back 
um, just because I wanted to live in America. I mean, I think it's a difficult <laughs> society to integrate in altogether. I think if you could only leave the country once in your life, you should go to Japan. Like, should be top on everybody's travel list if you haven't been. It's amazing. Um, food is great, whatever. But a difficult place to live. You know, they're 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 very um, exclusionary in a certain way of of non-Japanese people. But it's still lovely. I still study the language and still, you know, want to go back. I think in an ultimately designed life, I would spend like two weeks or a month a year there. That'd be fun. Nice, yeah. nice. Well, sounds like it was interesting and you enjoyed it. And you know, but you're glad to be back. <laughs> oh, for sure. And I think it's one of these things generally about you know the the experiences in your life, oftentimes that are difficult generally are the most rewarding, right? Like it's not always the things that go well that are easy that really mold you in a certain way. Like if you and I had just gone to the law firm and found out that like that worked for us and that was great and whatever, we may not have been forced to develop in the way that we were because we figured out that didn't work for us and then had to go back to the drawing board and figure out what did, which is a difficult process, right? Yeah. I mean, I know for me, it was difficult. I'm sure for you, it was difficult. Yeah, so, for sure. And I think we grew up kind of similarly, you know, from our parents, we were just like programmed, you know, nine to five, you know, W2. I mean, I, w I went into med school first because in my mind, I was like, well, what is the best job that I can get? Oh, yeah. For me, that was being a doctor. And then I got into med school, hated it. And I was like, okay, well, what's next? I guess I'll be a lawyer. So that was the next thing up. It's like, what's the best W2 I can get? Um, but that mindset kind of changes over time for some people. Mm. No, I think that's definitely true. And, I, and then that was kind of how I was brought up. You know, I was, I got a paper route when I was 11 and, and worked ever since basically that, that that was really building me that like get jobs and move up in jobs and, and do it that way. And, uh, you know, not for nothing. I, I think it, for a long time, I regretted going to law school, but I don't anymore. I think I sort of had to go to law school to figure out maybe I shouldn't have gone to law school. Does that make sense? That <laughs> 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 yeah and i mean i you know law school is a little bit different than, than med school i mean you get into med school and you know there are certain things you can do and you'd be a hospital administrator or something like that but man you're kind of pigeonholed into into that profession at that point so if you figure out later on you don't want to do it your options are a little bit limited whereas with the law degree there's a lot of stuff you can do with it i mean i've gotten my foot in the door of places that i probably don't deserve to be just because i'm a lawyer and i say i'm a lawyer and people's ears perk up i mean i'm sure you've had the same experience no 100 i do the same thing i still lead with it you know like the, when people ask you what you do at a cocktail party or whatever when we used to have cocktail parties and you say <laughs> you know you I mean you'll say like i'm a lawyer but right <laughs> Do you do this too? Because I say I'm a lawyer, but yeah. I do leadership coaching and strategic consulting. So I need I need that in there to because I, I do think, and it's something for people to think about going into um, sort of uh, like low barrier to entry fields, right? And then like I have friends with advanced degrees that you know go into say being a commercial real estate or like a, just a real estate broker. And I think look, that's great if you love real estate and there's something unique, but there's something also to like, this is a bar I can jump over, right? And and I have a law degree, I have passed bar exams, this is a bar to jump over. So even if I don't want to practice, I think it's something that you're right. I mean, it helped me in Japan. Like people, you know, um, knew the law school I had gone to and everything, even there, and were like, oh. And I think they didn't, it had no application at all to, <laughs> to running a Japanese <laughs> right. tip, you know, like manufacturing company um, where everything's like made by hand and, and nobody speaks English, but um, it was still like 
you know, gets in the door. So I, I do think that's important for, for folks. It's like, you wanna, I think, think about like the intersection of your talents that's somehow unique, right? Because there's a lot of attorneys, but there's probably not a lot of attorneys that, you know, also have other certain characteristics that you've had or experiences that you've had. And like, how do you intersect those things to sort of find something that you're specifically talented at? Because I don't know about you, but I kind of feel when I do something that I uniquely am, can do it or am in a position to deliver value, where I feel like if what I was doing every day was something that just anybody could do, like I wouldn't feel fulfilled in that way. And so that's something like I had to dig into and figure out like what was my motivation really for leaving? It also had to do with that. You know, it wasn't necessarily just the billable hour because even right now, most of my models are sort of monthly retainer models. And so it is, you know, it's X amount of dollars a month and we'll, you know, you get access to me and we talk and whatever kind of problems you have and, you know, you don't know who else to call, just give me a ring and we talk through it, um, which is still kind of trading time for money, right? But it fulfills me in the key, you know, like supporting somebody, um, being kind of uniquely positioned to do it in other ways that balance out against the, the model for me. So... You know, I just, I think that that's interesting for people to think about maybe is, is kind of where that intersects in them and, and in their background and, and, you know, how that goes. Right. Yeah. I mean, it takes some interflection to kind of figure that out for yourself and what's important and where you, you know, where you place yourself in that. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and it's funny because you said, I usually lead with, I'm a real estate attorney by trade, but you know, <laughs> we all have kind of that, that line. <laughs> yeah. We all call ourselves re recovering, recovering attorney. Right. And it's still just a way to mention, oh, Hey, I'm an attorney. <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, even if you say recovering attorney, and when you get to that point, you're trying to get away from being an attorney, right? You're, you're proud yeah. of not being an attorney, but you're still just saying I'm an attorney and now this is what I do. But just so yeah. you know, <laughs> Yeah. And I had, and I had another episode with Shante Grant that talked about trying to get away from that, just that trying to get mm -hmm. away from, you know, Hey, what do you do? I'm an attorney or I was an attorney and now I do this. And instead just saying what you do now. And I do think there's a certain inflection point there where you can get away with that, you know, after a while, I think, you know, your tendency when you first start out is to, um, you know, you want to like, people to know, oh, I'm competent, like you can trust me. Because if, you, if you're mitigating <laughs> for other things, right? Like if, when you're just switching out, I don't think that you need to go right from whatever you're doing that you don't like, um, right to what you're doing. And I also think that's kind of impossible to find where, I don't know if you found this, but when I first left the law, like my first um, sort of deviation to Charleston, we'll call it, that, that I, um, that was, in retrospect, that, that's like my real world MBA. I mean, I ran a company with like 50 employees and it was excellent, but it was a bad idea. And I, I think <laughs> I, I, I only learned that in retrospect, appreciating the difference between going away from something and going towards something. And this is again, one of those nuanced things that I would encourage people to think about where I was really just trying to get away from the law. And whenever you're trying to get away from the law, your mind sort of, um, you know, you look at everything with these rose colored glasses on where you're like, hey, oh, here's a new shiny new job. Like, it's not this job, so it's got to be better. So I'm just going right. to run over here and do that. And like, well, maybe it's a disaster, though. And how do you really know that? And, and you know, can you go, what are you going toward? Which is why I think people need to think about things like, you know, what's meaning for me? What's purpose for me? What's my story about money? You know, like really relevantly to your podcast, like, 
these stories that we have, they run our lives and they may not be true. And it's really hard, I think, to investigate those things and say like my, like my parents had a tumultuous marriage, they fought about money a lot. Like how does that influence the way that I think about money or prioritize making money in my life or my needs for money? Um, and so I think all that's gonna be different for everybody and it's, it's worth exploring that. And sometimes you need help for that, you need a therapist, you need a coach, you need something. But you know, it's worth doing because I think it can save you a lot of, a lot of heartache on the back end, hopefully. <laughs> so. Yeah, agreed. I mean, think it through, you know, don't just act just for the sake of acting. I mean, think about it. I mean, most of these, most of our listeners are, you know, successful people and they have a successful career. They need to, you know, think about where, where these pathways are going to take them before just jumping off the bridge and doing it. I mean, they might find themselves in more trouble than they think they already are in. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think especially with that kind of type A ambitious personality, because you're like, oh, here's a thing for success. I'm just going to go and you'll do really well at it, but you might sort of, you know, break the rest of your life in the process, which is not, not what you want. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, so, you know, we've kind of beat around the bush a little bit, but tell us about, you know, your current businesses and, and what, what you do, what they do. Yeah. So they kind of run the gamut. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty industry agnostic in what I do. I think, you know, like you might, my attorney background being in commercial real estate, but then trying to practice less and less as time goes on. Um, and, and they have been kind of all over the board. Um, you know, one is a uh, private laboratory company that does COVID testing labs. So it's been really interesting to be involved with them this year. They're one of the more fun companies, um, you know, in there it is much, I think it is when you're in the weeds of something, it is difficult to have a clear picture of what's going on. And so, you know, we sit down the CEO and I and just talk through, like what's difficult for you right now, kind of what are you facing, whether it's, you know, HR concerns or, you know, strategy concerns generally, or, or how to talk to your board or whatever it is. I, I think that um, in terms of having somebody to kind of check your thinking, and I think my perspective is a little different because of my patent, right, that I didn't just stay in a law firm for 10 years, and I've been working since I was 11. And so I, I've had every crappy job imaginable and maybe just think about things a little bit differently. And I uh, generally think that's what I get called in for is just like an alternative outside unemotional perspective about just what's going on. Um, and some of it is very personal, which is like, you know, hey, you're having this problem with this employee and this problem with your wife that you're actually having the same problem. Like what you really need to talk about is how you set boundaries in relationship and how you do those sorts of things. And, and I don't have any particular like methodology or template that I, that I tend to apply. I, I usually think that that's kind of a failure of thinking a little bit. And my job is to sort of mold myself to whatever the client needs. So um, it's been everything from like billiard industry to um, sports medicine and, and rehab to like laboratory sciences and um, financial services and just kind of all over the board. So it's been really interesting. I think it lets me um, I'm easily bored as a personality trait. And so I think <laughs> to, uh, it lets me get invested in these companies and really care about them, but, but also, you know, have a number of different companies and people that I interact with um, and to, to keep every day kind of unique and interesting. So you never know what's going to pop up and what kind of phone calls you're going to get, which, which I like it makes me feel good. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, just our conversations, I mean, you're a very, and I'm sure our listeners have picked up on this already, a very thoughtful person. 
And it just seems like your consulting business would have just be really unique. You know, your product is super unique because of you, because you're so thoughtful. I think you bring in a holistic approach to, you know, what's really bothering this business person. It's almost like they're in a, you know, a psychology session or something and you're <laughs> trying to kind of figure, figure the, their inner workings out. <laughs> I have been guilty of calling myself a business therapist before. I, I do. I, I, I think there's, there's something in common with that. And, you know, it is one of the reasons I have, um, and I've thought a lot about like doing courses and, and I hope you and I can chat about some things like that, you know, information products and whatever offline another time, but I um, have almost shied away from it because of, you know, I like um, the fact that it's unique to me and that it's unique to each person that I'm dealing with. And so it is um, difficult in some way. I, I would feel like I'm selling somebody short to do it another way, kind of like, I really need to be devoted to you. And it's not like, I don't have anything to tell you. Like I have the way that I try and tell clients is like, look, I'm going to be there, but you're doing the work. Like I'm holding the space <laughs> for you. I'm helping you ask the right questions. I'm making sure you're framing things properly and you're looking at it the right way. But like, I can't do it for you. Like I can't make you kind of develop in that way. Um, and, and I think, it's really gratifying to watch people kind of grasp that because then otherwise they're always kind of tethered to what you're doing and what you're telling them. And not there's anything wrong with that either. It's just a different, different approach. Um, and so for, for what I enjoy, you know, I love doing it. I, I have never liked anything as much as I like this. And, and that in and of itself is a nice thing to say about something you get paid for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. It sounds like you've, you've kind of found your, your pathway, which has been really unique. <laughs> <laughs> unique is, is a, yeah that's one of my core core language words yeah. <laughs> so yeah so looking back you know from working at big law firms and things like that and not saying it's a regret but anything you do differently from you know the pathway that you took and it's an interesting question because i think a lot about you know if i could give my younger self advice or you know one day when i have kids what am i going to tell them um and I want to say yes. And if I said, if I'm forced to an answer, I would say something like, you know, make sure your foundation is stable. Like make sure your relationships are stable, your financial situation is stable. If you're going to take a big leap. And I think it is one of the huge benefits of what you're talking to people about is that you don't, you're not wholesale changing your life, right? Like to be a passive investor in real estate, you're not required to like go full time. And you're almost sort of saying not to do something like that. So I really like that conversation and I've learned from your conversations because of that. I think, you know, my personality is so kind of all in or all out that in part, I think I could have been more successful in other things if I had laid a cover foundation. Um, but I also sort of believe in this idea of the process, right? And that if you're looking always at outcomes, that you're never going to be satisfied. And, and I'm sure we know people like this too, like I'll retire at X dollar amount. And then they get the X dollar amount. They're like, well, maybe it's X plus this or X plus that. You just move the goalpost all the time. Yeah. Um, and, and to me, you know, I always want to work with those people and try and help them figure out how to be process oriented. It's sort of like when you read, like I love to read, I read a lot. Um, we'll talk about that in your alternative life question, I think. But I, I, um, I love books and the goal with books is not to finish books. Like reading is the goal. That's the whole goal. So I think learning how to do that somehow in your life is, is interesting. And also knowing that like, you know, I think when I was, uh, I'm, I'm 37. So when I was 27, like, I think I was a bit of an idiot, right? Which is really just a sign of progress. 
And I hope that when I'm 47, I'll look back at myself when I was 37 and be like, man, when you went on the podcast with Seth and you were talking about some stuff, you're a bit of an idiot, right? Because I think that will have meant that, that I'm improving my ideas, that I'm getting better because if otherwise you're stagnant. And, and, you know, I think, especially people that are wired like us, I mean, like we're sharks in a way, like you keep swimming or you die and you've got to figure out a way to keep swimming and keep improving and keep getting better. Um, and so that for me, like tempers the advice to your younger self question, because right. I, I just want to be careful about that. And not saying it's like I said about law school, I think I had to go to figure out that I shouldn't have gone, mm-hmm. you know, whereas if I had gone another direction, maybe I, I wouldn't be who I am today. And if I like who I am, I sort of have to like both the things I did well in the past and I have to like my mistakes because they maybe contributed more to who I am. So. Yeah, no, no regrets, man. <laughs> <laughs> you can't live that way. You know, you no, can't live way. no, it's an evolution. I mean, you go through things to get to where you are and who you are today. And, you know, you just shouldn't regret what you've done. I mean, if anything, I would say like med school, I mean, for that year or whatever, for me, obviously it was a waste of time. I didn't get anything out of it, but, <laughs> but I, you know, I can say I went to med school. I, I know what that experience is like. Like I dug in a cadaver. I mean, it's just things that a lot of people don't get to experience and you've done similar things, not med school, but you know, things that a lot of people haven't done. And you know, that, that just makes you who you are. <laughs> well, I think never underestimate the value of knowing what you don't want to do. Right. I mean, the, like going in there and learning that, you know, and sort of also having the wherewithal to pull yourself out. Right. Like mm-hmm. I knew too, I remember my second day of law school, my father came into DC and he took me out to dinner and went to expectation. I had steak and eggs and we sat there and he said, how is law school? And I said, it's great. <laughs> and I remember this so specifically because I have, I lied so hard because I knew on day one, it was a huge mistake. I was like, well, I'm here. I'm like pot committed and I'm just going to stay, um, you know, and that's a learning experience, right? So, you know, whether to do that or not or something. And I think, you know, people talk about gratitude a lot as being important. Um, for like present happiness. And I think that that's right. But I think you're not just supposed to be gratitude for nice things, right? You're not like, oh, I'm like grateful for my house and my five series or whatever it is, right? Like, you've got to be grateful for the hard stuff too, and the mistakes too. Because otherwise, it is sort of trying to like, you can't use gratitude and that sort of stuff to whitewash, you know, the bad parts of life, because that's what (laughs) development is, right? It's like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna meditate, I'm gonna sit here, and I'm gonna go inside, and it's gonna be all like sunshine and roses, like, that's not how it works, you know, like, there's shadows and skeletons, and and to really process those sorts of things, I think, is, is how you make progress in your life, so. Yeah, yeah, love that, man. Uh, One last golden nugget for our listeners before we jump into the Freedom Four. Um, so this for me is, is something I've been thinking a lot about lately, and it's just the first thing that popped into my head, um, and it is that I have, for the most part, stopped reading nonfiction, and I think that most of the business books I've read and most things, you can find those lessons in fiction, and I think especially now, the world's a little topsy-turvy, things are tough, um, and it has been really hard to, to kind of focus on, like, academically sounding texts and things, and, you know, like, I have read dozens of books on management and really you could just read Frank Herbert's Dune and every lesson that's in all those books is in Dune. And if you sort of know how to read and, and read carefully, the where you can find lessons in your life is really, really surprising if you know how to pay attention. So to cultivate the art of attention and I think books are a great place to start. And like I said, I love books. So I just am always trying to get people to read more. <laughs> so that's my agenda. Yep. But, yep. All right, time for the Freedom Four. It's time for the Freedom Four. 
So what's the best thing you do to keep your mind and or body healthy? Uh, the single best thing I think lately, uh, there's two things I, and they're, they're kind of related. So they are, um, I took one of the online classes with Wim Hof. I don't know if you're familiar with any of his stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, he's called the Iceman and has all these records for, you know, cold exposure and breath work. Um, and so I did a class of his where he talks you through breathing exercises and, and cold exposure. And so every day in the morning I do those breathing exercises and, um, take cold showers at the end of my at the end of my showers. And so those things, I think both for a, from a physiological standpoint and from a mental standpoint, I think, especially now, like we're dealing with a pandemic health is on a lot of people's minds and, and these sorts of things. And I think um, feeling more uh, empowered about your, your physical state versus kind of reactive to that, I think is really awesome. There's also something about, you know, mentally um, strengthening. I think about like, I'm going to stand here in this cold water for a minute. And I know that that sounds silly, <laughs> Then when you realize it's like not the end of the world and it's really not a big deal, I think that that has some good residual mental benefits. So, um, you know, aside from just like eating healthy and exercising, I, I think those are my big two. Uh, that, that that's I cool, man. I, I've, I've seen some of his stuff and I don't mean, I enjoy a hot shower so much. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I want to make that sacrifice. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's one of these things too, where it's not an all or nothing thing. Or when I started, I started, you know, if I showered you know, with the, with a dial at like 10 o'clock, I would just move it to like 12 and make myself <laughs> slightly uncomfortable for like 30 seconds, right? Yeah. So it was a could, long time before I was actually taking cold showers where, you know, there's benefits to the process also. You don't need to just like jump in an ice bath on day one. I don't think anybody's doing that. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. In an alternative universe where you weren't involved in your current business, what would you be doing? Um, I think I would be a poet. Um, I love writing. I love reading. I think that, uh, I've said that too many times on this podcast, but I, um, I, I really like to write and I, and I think to, to do that would be a lot of fun and, and kind of be very antithetical to the kind of life that I lived up to this point. And I think it's my, my road not taken in a certain way. Cause when I went to law school, it was either go to law school or go get an MFA in, in fine arts and, and, uh, creative writing. And I, have always sort of had that in my head, you know, what would my life look like if I had had gone the other way? And so I think about that quite a bit. Cool, cool, interesting. Um, where were you at five years ago and where do you see yourself five years from now? So five years ago, um, beginning of 2021. So I was in Charlotte, I was at Winstead. We were working together uh, exactly five years ago. I think later that year I would go to Japan and earlier that year had come back from Charleston. So it was kind of an interesting intermediary point in my life. I was figuring a lot of stuff out, had, had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, and I think uh, what's changed over the last five years then was not necessarily that I figured it all out. It's just that I'm more comfortable with the uncertainty, which I think, you know, a lot of people look for certainty and, and really your task is to realize you're never going to get it and to just be uncomfortable or be comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, so in five years, I just hope that I am you know, doing more of the, the coaching work and consulting work. I think I love that. I would, I would like to sort of drop the legal work entirely and, and just go to that and um, just kind of continuing to, to be open to the, the path and the process. I, I think, yeah. you know, none of us will really know what it looks like. And just, you know, if I can continue to cultivate my relationships and, and do a good job, um, you know, to my friends and family and, and kind of keep that as my highest priority and understand um, you know, how I want to kind of hone my principles of thinking and, and how I'm doing that, um, I will have considered it a success. Awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah. And I think you kind of touched on one of my taglines is just enjoy the journey, enjoy what, you know, enjoy the pathway, enjoy 
you know, what you're doing now, try to live in the present and, you know, have goals, but just enjoy what you're doing in the now. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how has passive income or time freedom made your life better? So I think it's just that it really lets me um, have luxury. And I think, you know, we have a, a mutual friend in, in Kevin Salazar, who, um, who I love very dearly. And we were out to lunch one Monday and, you know, we went to this nice restaurant in, in a nice part of town here. And we had like a two hour lunch and we were just sitting there. And I was just thought like, this is luxury for me, not having to rush, having nowhere to be, not having to worry you know, I'm like on the clock and I, I didn't bill four hours this morning. And so I'm, I'm not going to get my bonus and maybe I'm going to get fired and whatever. <laughs> I, I think just sort of letting those things happen and really able to kind of relax and enjoy um, my life a lot more than when I had very little autonomy. And I think especially because I'm so driven by autonomy that, that I really um, value that tremendously. So that would be mine. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think that's, you know, it, it's a lot more prevalent here in America where people are just go, 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 got to fill every single minute. And if that minute isn't filled, <laughs> feel kind of, oh, kind of lost. Yeah. And, you know, you visit other cultures and it's not like that. Like they, they actually value their time. They value their freedom. They want to have a two or three hour lunch and have some wine at lunch. Like we don't do that. Yeah. I mean, it's like burnout and busyness here is a badge of honor. Right. And I'm sort of on a crusade against that. I mean, I, I hate that kind of thinking. And if I see somebody and they're like, oh, I've just been so busy, I can't actually do any of the things that I enjoy. I'm like, you need to make some changes. Yeah. Because I mean, this is, this is, uh, <laughs> this is not the way to live, I don't think. Yep, for sure, man. Darren, it's been great having you on. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Uh, so I think uh, my website, darrenfrank.com, that's Darren with two R's and an E. Um, and LinkedIn, I post pretty regularly on there. Um, just, you know, thoughts about leadership and management. And um, anybody can, you know, send me a message there. I have a thing on my website. If you want to hop on a call for 30 minutes and just chat about whatever you're going through, I'm happy to, to chat with anybody for, for a little while and, and um, you know, give whatever help I can, you know, during that time. And um, yeah, just, you know, shoot me a message there. And thanks so much for having me, Seth. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure, man. Business therapy session offered right there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Great catching up, brother. How are you too, my friend? Wow, that was an incredible conversation. Can't wait to have Darren on again to get some business therapy myself. Darren is an unbelievably deep and insightful person, and I can't wait to see where he takes his business next. One thing that I take away from Darren in this episode is his fearlessness. He doesn't fear breaking the golden handcuffs or walking away from a great job. In fact, I saw him do it uh, more than once myself. So, you know, he doesn't fear flying across the globe to get absorbed into a foreign culture. He does what he wants, when he wants, and has experienced life in a way that most of us have yet to see. But you can do it. You can live free too. You just need to focus on buying back your time by allocating your time, your effort, and your dollars into building multiple income streams. Reach out to me anytime to chat about how to get started. For now, go to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com and check out our other podcast episodes, blog articles, and join our Esquire Investor Club. All right, until next time, enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast with Seth Bradley. 
Do you want more ideas on how to generate multiple streams of passive income? Then jump over to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com for show notes and resources. Then apply for the private Facebook community by searching for the Passive Income Attorney on Facebook. And we'll see you on the next episode.